podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transfer Show. I'm Trev Downey and I am still recording here in my field in beautiful rural Ireland, but it's packed with very loud cows. So if there is some background lowing, I can only apologise for that. And I'm joined for this show, as I always will be, by my transfer guru, Dave Davis. How are you getting on, man? Yeah, good. I've never been called a guru before, so I'll take it as well. Thanks, Trev. Oh, 100%, man. You, you're, 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 like I said last week, you're leading me by the nose through this window, and it's great. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm enthused about it in a way that I haven't been, probably because you're doing all the heavy lifting. So it's great. I just have to pitch up here and let, let you tell me tales. And we should, there, there is one big kind of looming thing hanging over the whole current um, um, period in the transfer window to do with a specific yeah. dead, deadline. Now, we're going to get to that. But before that, let's get the Liverpool news out of the way, because if we were to do a show, Dave, that's about Liverpool transfers, it'd be pretty short. So we should just start with, you know, what we do know about the Reds so people can get their Reds fixed uh, sooner rather than later. And we'll take it from there. So, I mean, it's not really new news to anybody. It's kind of expanding on what we kind of already knew. The Taki Minamino deal, anything to be said on that in terms of specifics? Uh, and actually, I don't know if I ever got your own take on whether that was actually a good move for the club or not last week. Yeah, it's, I think it was just the, the finalisation, the confirmation from our end after Monaco had let the cat out the bag. It is all done up to, up to it's important to say that, 15.5 million if all the add-ons are met. Probably for, for my take, to be honest, Trev, it's a good move all around. It's, you know, double the money on what he cost. He's a player that deserves well wishes after his cup exploits. First team football for him as well, you know, in a comfortable environment. So good news. You don't get many of them in transfer stories, but a good news story all around. I liked what Jürgen said uh, about having to change the champion's wall several times due largely to Taki's efforts. I thought it was a nice uh, on-the-nose kind of a tribute uh, from uh, from from the man himself. Kind of a classic thing to say and, and you know, yeah. actually does put a bit of context, Dave, uh, on, the, on, on the lad's contribution because, you know, as a fan base, we're so, so, so entitled and spoiled. Uh, not all yeah. of us, of course, but there was an awful lot of talk about Taki Minamino that I found kind of almost embarrassing about, you know, how good he was or whether he was able for the job. And then on the other hand, you've total fanboys saying, why isn't Taki playing every week? I, I agree with you, man. I think I think if the guy's not going to be playing first team football uh, and, you know, in, in this current squad, you, you he's done brilliant for us in one regard. Yeah. And, and, and then you release him, let him go off. Yeah, absolutely. And 
also at his age, I think he's 26, 27, you need to be playing first-team football. And he might be almost the, the best sixth, seventh choice we've had for such a long time. So he, he is in that, or he was in that predicament. It's all resolved now. He's got first-team football. He gets a great send-off. Everyone's happy. Now, people have been doing the sums on how much money Liverpool can possibly accrue this summer <laughs> from out, from outgoings. Uh, and one of them looks to be nailed on. What It's just a matter of who and when, for how much, and the details is Nico Williams. Um, and Forrest have actually made a bid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's been expected, but it has been confirmed. Forrest have been made a bid that has been rejected. So 11 million up front with... 4 million in potential add-ons, so 15 million in total. Interesting one, because the, the prediction was, or the leaks that have been coming out, is that 15 million around that would get it done for Nico. So no idea what the makeup of those add-ons is, but Liverpool have rejected it straight away. So the suspicion, they're going to carry on. And whilst it might be the same total fee, it'll be the, the makeup of the initial payment and the add-ons. But I think we're all going to be surprised if that doesn't get done, to be honest. Yeah, and very similar sentiments there when you're talking about Nikos as there were when you're talking about Taki. If the kid isn't going to get his get his regular uh, minutes and be allowed to contribute or be able to contribute, um, it's good to see him go somewhere and hopefully he will be a regular first teamer there if and when that move happens. Curtis Jones, another one that we spoke about last week. Yeah. Now, I don't think there's any real danger, well, at least not so far, of Curtis being sold. However, there is talk about Curtis perhaps doing something else. What have you heard lately? What is the latest on the Curtis Jones situation? Yeah, you're right, because we, we kind of touched upon it last week that, that the club is getting offers or inquiries, it's probably right to say, and they are knocking them back. They are dismissing them off the bat straight away. So Neil Jones put out a, a piece where he name-checked a few that Villa, even this summer, may talk about permanent move, rejected straight away, even name-checked that Leeds had gone last year even and, you know, mentioned it again. It does seem to be that in simple terms, there is a lot of interest in Curtis still, but it is being rebuffed straight off the bat. So unless anything changes, he is going nowhere. There's a there's a lot that you can read into that. And I think it might be a fair indication to some people who can't understand what it is about Curtis Jones that gets him into the team that perhaps maybe other people might know a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, people in the game may know a little bit better because uh, clearly there is, like you say, interest in the lad. And if we're hanging on to him, that means we're very interested in keeping him around. So that's a very, that, that, that in itself is a, an interesting story to watch. And then yeah. finally, there are, like I say, this would have been an incredibly brief show if we were going to focus only on Liverpool activity. But there are some loans as well um, for people who equally would not be involved in first team action. Um, yeah. what, what have you heard around there? I think Vandenberg involved um, Owen Beck too. Yeah, absolutely. Van Vandenberg, they are looking at the, the most appropriate solution is the right way to phrase it for now. Owen Beck has offers galore, the, the youngster, the left back. So, It'll be interesting to see which one he takes, in all honesty, or which one probably the club deem is most appropriate for him. Um, the other one that literally broke yesterday, um, there was concern that James Balagizi wasn't signing a new contract, so what was happening there? But literally the double confirmation of, yep, yeah, he signed a new contract and straight out on loan to, interestingly, League 2 Crawley Town. So 
I suppose you can make what you want as to what level you feel that to be applicable, incorrect, whatever you want to describe it as. But yeah, I think as as we said last week, Trev, there'll be a lot of low moves, but it's going to be for youngsters, not too much on the first team picture particularly. Now, the first team picture is going to be impacted um uh, I say that, uh, maybe not. The, the the first team picture for so many clubs will be uh, impacted or affected, or at least uh, the dealings will be tinged by something very yeah. important that's going on now. Uh, that Yesterday, the 30th of June, was a pretty important deadline. And folks might not be particularly fit, clued in on exactly what that is and what the knock-on impact of it would be. Would you mind setting up uh, some uh, info for yeah. us around about you know salary caps and 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 uh, uh, FFP and the like. Yeah, of course. If if you are self-employed, don't worry, you've not missed any deadline or the government's not changed any rules. The deadline that we're talking about is in regards to football and financial fair play. So, 30th of June, really important date for your top clubs' calendars. So, basically, the accounts are submitted by the close of play that day. That then defines the calculation as to A, the salaries you can spend in total, if you want to call it that, for the following year, and your transfer budget. So just to give it a bit of context, and I'm sure if you're aware of football, everyone's been clued up or so to speak on what's happening with Barcelona. So they've had massive restrictions on them. Also Everton, across the park, they've been limited as to their budget and what they can spend. But it has a huge, huge impact what accounts you submit on the 30th of June, as in what you can spend, what wages you can pay for the coming season or moving into the 22-23. So probably it's important to have that context just to almost set the backdrop of everything else that's happening at the moment. Now, I read a a thread put together by Swiss Ramble, um, which are usually fairly decent. And it, uh, as as a non-finance guy, it's kind of difficult sometimes to keep your eye on exactly what's happening. Certain terminology can kind of throw you. But one of the big changes in the new rules uh, is the introduction of squad cost control. Um, yeah. There's uh, a, 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 The ratio of player wages, transfer and agent fees is limited to 70% yeah. of revenue yeah. and profit. Uh, and I think when the Super League was being put together, the the, the ratio was was, was uh, 55. But that, that right there is a real thing that's going to have real impact. Now, I want you to talk, talk to me about that, Dave, but maybe if you could segue out of it into... I'm a very cynical man when it comes to the machinations of power and the levers of power. And I find myself a little bit wary of all of this bullshit, like with the Chelsea ownership thing. I was never in doubt. And people thought, oh, fire sale. That was never going to happen. Never. So I just wonder here, sometimes, you know, um, you see big companies welcome regulation because they're the only ones who are going to be able to survive and apply the regulations and still thrive and it will kill off the smaller companies this is a fact that people just don't seem to get their heads around i'm wondering with ffp are we looking at something similar are we going to see a situation where uh, there's a whole lot of new complex rules put in which in in effect are opening up loopholes where people can skirt around issues i mean that sounds cynical but would you not fear that yourself 
Yeah, a little bit. And I, I do appreciate I'm going to be coming across as the Aldi version of Swiss Ramble a little bit here. So bear with me a sec. <laughs> in, in, in that regard, yeah, I think regulations welcomed for obvious reasons, as in Barcelona is the obvious example, isn't it, Trev? Like you said, 70% was, you know, a raised ratio from 55. Barca at one stage were 128%. So, you know, that that's a cost out of control, isn't it, really? So they're a great example to work from. It makes sense that clubs need to reduce their debts, manage their debts is maybe the, the right phrase and keep in line. So on the surface, it looks all great. However, here's the point, like you said, where the cynical part comes in. You can cook the books, so to speak. So a lot of people, which we'll come on to, got business or started to move things yesterday so they could get them on yesterday's accounts, i.e. last season's accounts. Doesn't really give a true whole picture isn't it it's just so you can get a figure down and work from there and manipulate your spending and wages if that makes sense um the second part to that is you have you always have to look at whose interest especially ffp and this could be a massive conversation separate from this but whose interest it serves in the nicest way your newer superpowers your psgs your man cities etc they're naturally trying to break into that upper echelon whether you feel they've broken in that is a different conversation but they're trying to join the european greats aren't they so to speak at that top table on the other side there's european greats who maybe don't have that spending power don't have that you know resources available to them are trying to restrict that so to speak so it's almost a a marriage of convenience there for for making it all work so long story short i suspect you will see uber minute look at that phrase uber manipulation of the figures and it's amazing that PSG still spend they're the other example I'd use despite reporting a net loss of over 200 million euros but do I so do I think FFP will fully come in yes to an extent but the big clubs always find a way around it Trev and look at the ultimate example look at City when they finally got penalized for it you straight to the court of appeal 8,000 lawyers cost more than anything UEFA can put forward and it's busted down straight away isn't it to a fine a hundred percent and that's kind of where i was driving the bus and i just I, I wanted to get my cynical complaints in early but i'm glad to see i'm not the only one who's uh, you know uh, a solo uh, angry old man shouting at the sky because <laughs> it's 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 you it's, it's hard not to feel that it's going to happen but let's look at let's look at some of the immediate impacts you, you mentioned la liga there so you yeah. know there are clubs like valencia atletico barca are going to have issues um talk to me a little bit around that and about what some of the knock-on effects might be in relation to player movement there yeah but i mean Barca's is the easiest place to start because as you say cynical part funnily enough that deal with sixth street for 10 percent of the tv rights was announced yesterday so up to potentially 267 million there for 10%. So it's not small change by any means. So what does that mean? That's now means that you are starting to see this Barca transfer ramp up. So Cassie Christiansen are expected to get registered. There's naturally been the links to Rafinha are starting to, to come up as well for them as well. Lewandowski, you know, that's starting to rumble again because all of a sudden they've got a huge lump sum in their accounts for the 30th of June. On the other side, they're still trying to balance it a bit the other way. So Luke de Jong has moved. Lengele, pardon, I'm probably butchering the French language there, apologies, but that's a low move that's set to go through. And 
Frankie de Jong, that's the one that's been rumbling and no doubt we'll talk about. So Barca have had the obvious knock-on effect. Interestingly for Atletico, um, the president there, Gil, was quite clear that we really need to make 34 million quid, about 40 million euros, or we're registering a loss by the 30th of June. Nothing, I've had a search, I won't pretend to have, I've had a scan, nothing being confirmed there. So it looks like they're going into the start of next season on the back foot. Valencia as well, because the expectation, this is where your transfer dominoes come in, was that when De Jong went to United in midfield, their replacement was Carlos Soler. So that was the expectation that, you know, a nice domino effect of transfers and finances lined up. But yeah, it'd be interesting because Valencia and Atletico didn't make the sales or the moves they probably wanted to. So I wouldn't be surprised, as we say, they're not too busy because they're starting off on a negative front there in the Liga. Yeah, and and of course, like like you like you suggest, that will have a knock-on impact, and people are very quick to sniff blood in the water, aren't they, Dave? And uh, yeah. if there's if there's uh, exploitation to be done, then you can be sure yeah. that uh, some of the cynical boys will be out there doing it. And a little closer to to home in the Premier League, are we going to see that having a particular impact? You mentioned Everton earlier on, for example. Yeah, Everton are a, are a funny one. They really are, Everton. That Their accounts are in a, a bit of a mess. So, Richarlison, yes, I think some people could say, oh, it got confirmed today. Yes, it got confirmed today, but it was done yesterday to get it on Everton's books, wasn't it, for that six or up to £60 million deal. That makes a, a huge impact on them. So, the other link to that side was they needed to sell. They needed to shift quickly. They're also in talks, as we know, for a takeover at the same time because of the the situation the mess Mashiri's made there. But also, it probably explains why you had the Spurs and Everton links that it wasn't only Richarlison initially, was it? It was Anthony Gordon was also being talked to as part of the deal. So why was he being talked at? Because Everton needed to sell their wares, didn't they, Trev? Simple as that. Everton are in a bit of a mess. So that probably explains why maybe their two most sellable assets were being mentioned there. And I've heard a lot of stories before we go and have a look at um, some of those uh, potential moves or actual moves in a minute next I've heard a couple of stories about uh, Neymar's situation yeah uh, yeah that's an interesting one and you're kind of it, it does leave you wondering like I mean it's obviously going to be a very specifically small group of people who can afford to pay that fellow's wages uh, what what's what's the latest you've heard around Neymar the thing is, Neymar's situation is a fascinating one, like you say. If he hadn't have been, which he has to say he hadn't, he hasn't been sold by the 30th of June, it automatically triggered a one-year contract extension. Now, there's a lot of, I say there are rumours, but this is what the show is about, that PSG want Neymar out. So naturally, he's being touted with a, a lot of places, specifically Chelsea we're looking as well, and I know we're going to talk about Chelsea later. The uniqueness about this situation, as you said, is with Neymar, there's only a handful of clubs that can afford him in the first place. And PSG are one of the few that can absorb that cost within not really wanting him particularly at the moment, but can afford to maybe extend his contract because they've not been able to shift him. So in simple terms, whether they want him or not, there's an extra year on Neymar's contract. So we will continue racking up the dollars in the Farmers League. Simple as that. (laughs) 
<laughs> bring me back to Spurs and everything because this is fascinating um, and, and, and some of the, the individuals involved. First of all, can, can we just step to one side? Uh, I'm going to ask you your personal opinion around Richarlison uh, for £60 million. Um, I, I, I can see why uh, certain people might think that he has something to offer I really do think he's incredibly overrated myself personally. It's got nothing to do with digging at Everton here. Uh, obviously, he's a bad, bad sort of a, uh, well, let's let's just say he's a bad individual. He's not a very nice fella. He, he would rate high uh, on our on our uh, prick watch list on, 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 on yeah. Raw regularly. But does that represent a good move for him, for Spurs, taking away how you feel about the guy personally? from the equation do you reckon that's a move that could work for him do you think he suits them do you know what i'll I'll put my head on the block for this trev and obviously i could easily be proved wrong normally they talk about daniel levy being you know the top transfer operator and it's interesting now that spurs have got patrici in charge of transfers and obviously conte's having his big say naturally as well i think it's daylight robbery I really do. Up to 60 million for Richarlison. If you look at his stats, and obviously there's guys at Anfield Index that are able to tell you far more than me, but they are nothing whatsoever to write home about. Personality-wise, yeah, separating that a little bit. We've got a guy that dives all the time, causes issue on the pitch, is a known sulker. I'd, I actually think, I'm just going to assume that Everton walked him in there with a guy in a mask and had a bag called Swag on it, in all honesty, because it really is just absolute daylight robbery. Totally get, I am now, that you know, he might prove me wrong, but just because he might have five or six goals by the end of August or September, let's just judge it on a season. I 60 million for Richarlison, robbery, absolute robbery. I, I I can't but agree. I can't but agree. And he may go there and, and maybe Conte will get something great out of him. And there's clearly something to work with, but uh, it does seem it's it's clearly it, whatever it is. It's clearly the uh, the Premier League tax that one has yeah. to pay. Uh, there's also other um, people there who could be um, on the roundabout. Uh, Anthony Gordon, you mentioned uh, Stephen yeah. Ber- Bergwijn, Harry Winks. Talk to me about those guys and what the latest is with them. Yeah, it does seem like Everton and Spurs were almost doing a swap shop type of thing, weren't they, in the way it was portrayed. So, I mean, that that story's been out there that Spurs were talking about with Charleston and Anthony Gordon, which made sense in context of FFP, but there's no way Everton were going to lose both their crown jewels, as they would say, so to speak. Bergvine, yeah, he's been talked about as a, an option to, to make the move the other way. I think it's been quite clear, though, that Bergvine fancies that return to Holland and Ajax especially a lurk in there. Harry Winks as well. That's one that is there more Everton signing than Harry Winks, a sort of middle of the road midfielder type of thing. So it's a typical Spurs sale. It's a typical Everton buy, isn't it, really? So long term negotiations to reunite him with Lampard that way as well. They got that link up there. I, I wouldn't be surprised that Bergwijn does go to Ajax. The smart move is that Winks does go for a silly price or structure to Everton. The only thing that could possibly be positive of Harry Winks going to Everton is they give him the shirt number 40. That's the only positive I can think about, in all honesty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) 
I would love that. Uh, the memeing, the memeing potential is amazing. Uh, exactly. Uh, let's let's switch to our focus now to another club um, for now and look. At, there are people who are doing business uh, for all our frustrations that we may have. Yeah. And, uh, there are people who are out there doing business. And, uh, you know, I spoke earlier on about Chelsea and how I was cynically certain that everything would be absolutely fine there. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it's, it's quite interesting, uh, the stories that have been emerging. I haven't watched it as closely uh, as I, I probably would have if it was happening mid-season. But there is a lot of change behind the scenes there uh, that we yeah. can we can talk about, and it's going to have a knock-on effect. We know uh, Czech Peter Czech resigned, uh, Gravsky yeah. gone as well. They've got a new sort of uh, sheriff in town when it comes to transfer yeah. policy. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and what's going on there. Tommy Tuchel not the happiest as well. So talk talk to us a little bit about Chelsea and what you've seen happening there. Yeah, I think, to be honest, they could well be our material for a good few weeks, the way it's gearing up there. And, yeah, you said new sheriff in town. Might as well call it dynasty, because I think it's going to be dramas galore going forward. Yeah, Foley comes in in charge, almost clears decks with key people. I think the biggest part there is you could only take Tuchel at face value in his word, but there was a great article by Mel Reddy about it that, Last summer, he was really clear. He loved that structure, Rewind a Year, where it was simplicity personified, as he put it. It was simply that they were doing negotiations. They were doing everything. His focus was on the coaching and telling them who he wanted. Now, new sheriff in town, as you said, coming in, very much employing some US-style strategies. Tuchel is now being sucked into that arena, isn't he, in regards to play and negotiation helping sort things out. So he's got that on his plate contract-wise as well, which if we take him at face value, Trev, he was quite clear last season he did not want. So it's interesting. The new owner comes in, clears everyone out, appoints himself, transfer owner, chairman, head of the board, commander supreme, whatever you want to call it type of thing. So there's going to be drama all summer at Chelsea and now probably going to be a large part of what we talk about weekly. I have to say, I'm absolutely loving it. It's great. I mean, like you say, pure pure drama and, and, and potential histrionics afoot. And yeah, the American thing is very interesting because Bowley suggesting sort of concepts that are a little bit alien to uh, 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 British and Irish football fans talking about player trades uh, yeah. and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, maybe people haven't heard about this, but again, it's that American influence. Uh, t- t- explain to folks what 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 what, uh, what Bowley might have meant by that. Yeah, it's very. It's not. It's not never heard of, I should say, but it's quite rare that player trades are really done in Europe. Maybe Serie A is the exception there, but very much he's come across with this US book of they're looking at delete from Juventus, the central defender, because naturally they're massively short in that position. And the approach was to almost open their books a little bit to Juventus as in, who do you want? Werner, Pulisic, Ziyech. So I have no idea what the rationale is there a little bit. It's whether Werner goes, Pulisic comes in and Bully sees delete playing third base or something like that. I have no idea really, so to speak, but He's very much, and there's been a few articles on this, going in with when he approaches the club for all these players, trades is on the table, first of all. It's not fees, it's trades, and then we move to a fees, which, as you said, that is really 
an alien concept to not not never heard of but obscure shall we say in europe so it'll be interesting and long live the drama this is going to continue all summer and as you say the the the, the impact really is that it looks like there's going to be a lot of business done around chelsea one way or the yeah. other and links with you know the likes of Raheem Sterling of Nathan, with Nathan Aki as well, Rafinha. Although Barcelona yeah. have muddied the waters there, um, now they would all be very solid acquisitions for Chelsea. I would have thought, yeah. uh, and you can see how, in many ways, each of them might be an upgrade on what they've got, um, or at least could be interpreted as that. What do you think the likelihood of those moves are going are, are? Because again, Sterling. Uh, He's another one. He really elicits uh, quite a, 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 a range of opinions from people, even yeah. even for whose clubs he's played. It's 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 weird. He seems to have a very polarizing influence. Uh, of those moves, Sterling, uh, Aki, Rafinha uh, to Chelsea, uh, would you, do you think any of them is more likely than the other? Yeah, I'd I'd be very surprised if Sterling doesn't happen. I mean, that's a move that. He wants out of City. City really want rid of him. Chelsea really like him. So I, I can understand that's a, a winner for everyone, so to speak. So I'd probably bet good money that Sterling does happen. Aki is an interesting one, um, depending on how you value him. I think it could happen. But if it does happen, they get a stupid price when you re- you go almost going back to the summer initially and going 40, 50 million for Nathan Aki, which I think it'll take that to shift him. But... That's that's my maybe. I think that that really is a maybe, but it wouldn't surprise me if stupid money gets put down, so to speak. Rafinha, he's been the one that's been <laughs> rotating all summer. Deco has really been pimping him. Barca, which is his preferred choice. We've got to be quiet, you know, so be clear on that. Barca is the one he wants to go to. Arsenal came into the picture. Spurs inquired. Chelsea, so. If he, I don't think he goes to Chelsea, being honest. I think, realistically, it's Barca is his first choice. Only if that's a complete breakdown does Chelsea come into the reckoning. So, I know it's a bit of a spread of a, a yes and maybe and a no. Deletes the interesting one, because I really do see him personally as the Dutch Harry Maguire a little bit. Very overrated, not the most mobile. But I would love, it would be brilliant, wouldn't it, to see a deal where Delete comes in and Werner and Pulisic or Ziyech possibly, you know, move the other way. That would just be fascinating, wouldn't it, really? But that one's in the maybe category. So th- there'll definitely be other people linked with Chelsea and they'll definitely try trades and moves. So we are going to be speaking about this all weeks long. I'm 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 loving your delict take there. I have to say, uh, I always like to hear people give their honest takes on on players. And I heard a discussion between Gags and Dave on Old School about. Uh, Raheem Sterling and whether or not they would welcome him back at Liverpool if that became an option. Um, and seeing as we we are Liverpool fans, I wouldn't mind just getting a quick take from you on that because, like I say, a polarising chap. Um, and if you po- popped it out on Twitter there now, you would get probably equal parts, bite your hand off and never again. Um, where do you stand on, on, on the potential of Raheem Sterling fitting into Jurgen Klopp's setup? If, if you just looked at it on the surface, I can make a case in the ability, the stats, what he's conscious. I could totally get that, you know, homegrown quota. There's, there's logic there. I do understand it. However, in the real world, 
absolutely no chance. Attitude, what he did previously, the impact on the wage structures in the, the wages that he'd want type of thing. I don't really see him as a big team player or fit in, fit in the ethos, shall we say, of what's there at the moment that Klopp has. So when you take into those real-world account for me factors, a big fat no. I, I don't see it myself. Um, I don't see it. I don't see it being a thing that could happen, um, regardless of whether people would like it to or not. But again, there are other clubs who are actively looking to spend some money. Manchester United yeah. are always in that bracket, uh, and there are some rumblings of uh, players uh, in and out there. What have you? What have you heard around uh, our, our our Mank pals and what they might be getting up to? God, it's, it's, I know we talked about almost like kids in the sweet shop with Chelsea. This is just like clown college, isn't it, really, with United? The new manager comes in, makes it clear who he wants. They've still not got De Jong locked up. We we hear each week it's moving closer. I was like, well, beyond putting him on the plane or the ferry, how close does it really need to move? So they just, they've still not got that done. Probably the one that, that we have heard, um, not that well known and Pardon my Dutch friend's pronunciation, but I think it's called Malassia or Malakia, however it is, the Feyenoord left back. So it's interesting that he seems to be pretty close and the suggestion that it's all agreed and just medical pending. Left back doesn't really spell good news for Luke Shaw and Tellez, but both of them are terrible anyway, so it probably is an improvement in all honesty. I I just think United are going to have another summer of absolute mess. They'll moan again, the fans, that you've not spent money, just ignoring the fact they spent about a billion quid over the last few years type of thing. And at some point, it's going to go wrong, Trev. And what do you do? Reach for your moody Norwich scarves and start protesting. That's what we do in the United <laughs> when it goes wrong. So that is going to happen at some point. The moody Norwich scarves are out and they'll protest. You know, it's been one of the highlights of my time podcasting with Anfield Index is that we have genuinely been able to talk about them with a little bit of a smirk on our face and long may it continue I, I, I've nothing against yeah. uh, Ten Hag particularly but I, I have a feeling that this is going to be another disaster I, 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 I stand to be uh, proven incorrect but I just have that feeling and, and uh, you know I can't be anything but absolutely gleeful of the prospect where do you want to go next, Dave? Because we're just coming up to about 20 minutes left and we've a couple of things we wanted to do. We want to have a look at, uh, uh, in our club focus, we want to have a look at Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, there are some other moves going on around the place or talk about other moves, uh, Leeds involved, Juve involved, uh, our old yeah. pal, Luis Suarez. Maybe let's take a, a rundown through some of these because that's people are listening to this show listen to hear what's going on who's going where what's the stories about them so yeah how about going there first and uh talk to me about Leeds and the potential transfer there with Gakpo yeah an interesting one because he, he was linked with us once upon a time so just seemed that when the expectation and the almost certainty that Rafinha does pack his bags that they've got a bit of money, haven't they, after Calvin Phillips as well. So the link is, the big link seems to be Cody Gakpo. Now, from what we know, and again, we're not pretending to be ITKs by any means, but it is a possibility. It's not the move he would necessarily want. You could easily think, well, hold on, couldn't he be going to a better club? Yes, I totally understand that argument. However, 
as is being phrased, it's seen by his entourage as a stepping stone, so to speak, into the Premier League. Maybe a, not a lower club, that's wrong to say, and disrespectful to Leeds, but one that's maybe not challenging for the, the top prizes. If you go in there, that can work well. You know, you get your feet settled within the Premier League and then you move from there. And let's be honest, we've made a habit of doing that, haven't we? We've taken Mane when he's gone at Southampton. Same with Virgil. You know, they come into the Premier League, they settle and they go from there. So as a stepping stone, that might seem disrespectful to Leeds, but that's what's been indicated to us. It sounds like it might be a possibility. And listen, if it does, I think it'd be a great move for Leeds. I really do. Absolutely. Uh, potentially exciting one for them is right. Uh, Juventus never long out of the news. Yeah. Uh, there are, <laughs> and neither is Paul Pogba. Uh, let's start there. And, and there is at least one other sort of major deal that's looking like they, they're they going to get over the line as well. Yeah, absolutely. They, they love a freebie, Juventus, don't they? They live for a freebie. So the two that really are coming to fruition now is, you know, you'd have to be living under a rock to not hear about Pogba, but it's still not done, interestingly. So you do wonder what's kind of holding that up, so to speak, or what it is, maybe. Maybe the focus is on delete. I don't know. But the other one that they are close to is, and this couldn't be more of a Juventus move, Angel Di Maria. For, you know, top name, best days are behind him. Got Juventus freebie written all over it, hasn't it, in all honesty. So I could easily see those two moves. They're good shirt sellers at the same time. They've seen better days, but they've got Juventus written all over them. Yeah, and there's a thing that's in there about, you know, for a league that used to be so exalted, um, a bit like um, a bit like some, some other leagues, there's a real feeling that, you know, these kind of lads can go there and, yeah. and have a good time for a couple of years. Uh, uh, even lads who are approaching the end of their careers and uh, they can still, you know, rack up some decent numbers and... Th- a fella who's racked up numbers uh, to, to, to rival anyone's is Luis Suarez. A w- yeah. w- weird story about Luis Suarez and his potential uh, destination next season. Yeah, it was when when he was released, there was the big expectation, and, and it was a rightful expectation because he had talks with them that an MLS franchise was going to pick him up. Now, what stopped that or moved away from that, no one really knows, but... The biggest story, realistically, is that he's close to a two-year deal with River Plate in Argentina. It's an interesting one, though. It's Because someone said, oh, is he back to South America? It's like, yeah, but it's a Uruguayan guy going to a, an Argentinian team. A big team, you know, not disrespecting them, a huge name in the world of football, so to speak. But I, I did have the suspicion, personally, that it would have been MLS. You know, it had MLS written all over it. But it seems like River Plate are close at this current moment. I mean, I can only assume that River Plate uh, found a load of cash down the back yeah. of the sofa or something. You know, it's 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 a such it's such a weird deal. And again, it's nothing to do with being disrespectful to the club involved at all. And you know, again, it could be something as simple as 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 Suarez is. You know, we know what what sort of a passionate individual he he is, and yeah. if you've ever if you've ever seen footage from uh, you know Argentinian club matches, uh, you know involving the likes of River or Boca, you know you you know that that's what you're going to get. Maybe it's that, but it just seems a really odd one, as you say, for a Uruguayan to do. Let's keep our eye on that one, and 
there are there are a few other bits and pieces that we can have just take off now before we finish by having a little bit of a focus on Aston Villa. Uh, and that is back again to Everton. We talked before about uh, Wiggs. Tarkovsky yeah. as well. Uh, the James Tarkovsky situation. What's what's going on there? Well, there's another one on the board as well there. So, yeah, Tarkovsky, it's, he's on a free from Burnley. So the big suggestion is that that's pretty much already in the bag. But because of FFP, it was going to be the 1st of July at the earliest. They want his wages on the books. So... Everyone is expecting that to happen. The um, the biggest breaking one, though, and another piece of news on a freebie is Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard's in talks with Everton. So another freebie. Being honest, in the nicest way, I know he's more famous for his TikToks than football in recent times. I do think both of those on a free, they're not sort of headline grabbers. I actually think, surprisingly, they'd be decent moves for Everton, Tarkovsky and Lingard. More above you know, Harry Winks for me by by certainty. But it'll be interesting to see. There's definitely, almost now, now they've got that that asset sold, they've got a little bit of cash, Everton are shopping in a, a cheaper market. But Tarkovsky and Lingard, I think both of them would be great moves. Yeah, I think they're really, really solid moves for them. And, you know, whatever about your views of the oldest toddler in football, uh, uh, Lingard has ability and if you could get it focused i mean it's the old it's the old path isn't it from united to everton it's yeah. a well it's a well-trodden path and it could well work out for him um as it could for tarkovsky i think um if we have a look at newcastle <laughs> we spoke earlier on about people who yeah. are going to be like uh kids in a sweet shop well we know newcastle have endless funds now um and you would have thought there might be actually a little bit more dramatic stuff going on around Newcastle yeah. or bigger, more dramatic names. But there is a lot of movement. Talk to us a little bit about what it appears that they're lining up. Yeah, Dan Ashworth, this is a message to you. You're making this dull. Stop with the strategy and, you know, thoughtful thinking and purpose. Make the transfer show more interesting. Because like you said, they've got an endless pot of money. They've got a new sponsor now as well, which, funnily enough, has links to the Saudi government, but we won't go there. Pope's done. Nick Pope, we know the goalkeeper in. They've done the hard deal for Sven Botman. They've been chasing that for ages. And interesting article in the um, Athletic about that, that been a very shrewd negotiator, Ashworth, there, as in, you know, a final offer to Lille is take it or leave it, you know, forcing them into that deal. And all the other links are... Maybe in a dull way, Trev, so to speak. A bit sensible, really. So, Turam, the midfielder at Rennes, you know, big six foot four midfielder link. Again, a youth product, talented. Probably pronouncing this all wrong, but Guiri at Nice, the forward, who's now got senior caps as well. They are very much operating to a strategy, as in, you know, young talent from certain leagues, etc., which is logical. I get the plan doesn't always make for the most interesting when we know we've got endless pits of money on the transfer show, but that's why Dan Ashworth's been brought in, hasn't it, realistically, to operate a strategy and move to that? Yeah, but it's almost as if we're accepting that they want to do things the right way and be be, be profitable yeah. and be structured. And, and, and like, we all know in our hearts it's got nothing to do with that. So it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that they haven't gone full City on this. You remember the early days of when City had money and they were literally firing cash yeah. at the wall and you're getting all these big name players coming in, like doing the mercenary thing for a year or two and heading off again. 
I, I was fully expecting that that would be the crack here. But as you say, a far more uh, measured sort of approach to it, a, a sensible approach that would appear to be at odds with what most of us believe is going on there. But look, we, we will watch it carefully because at least we do know there will be movement. So it will keep us occupied on this show. And then one last thing there, yeah. another club that's having endless uh, uh, uh changes all the time a club that reinvents itself on the regular is Ajax lots going on there too yeah Ajax is almost in that unique bracket of clubs almost like Dortmund and Benfica they just sell so well don't they they buy the top talent they coach they mold it they sell well for high profits they're in an interesting position Ajax because Alain's gone to Dortmund's they've made their cash there There's a lot of players on the block, I should say, but it's going to be on Ajax terms. No one's picking up a bargain. So if you do want Anthony as a winger, you have to pay top dollar. Rumours are about £70 million. So I could actually well see him staying. Lissandro Martinez, who we mentioned him shows before, five foot nine left back, centre back, however you want to see him. Again, a lot of interest, but it's going to be top dollar again, sort of £40 million. Timber's been mentioned by a lot of people, but I think. The price is putting off. So they are for sale. I can't say they're not for sale, but Ajax are going to demand top dollar and they're in a strong position after that Allah sale. So wouldn't surprise me, but might be balking at the fee, so to speak. And then on the other side, they usually like, they love a failed incoming. What I mean by a failed incoming is when it doesn't go well in the premiership, they love taking people back and making success stories such as Dejan Tadic, member of Southampton. Look how well he's done since he's gone back. Aller failed at West Ham, goes back there. Absolute superstar for Ajax numbers, really is. So that's not surprising why, as we mentioned before, Bergwijn at Spurs has been leaked. He's got that measure of Dutch youngster, went to the Premier League, hasn't really worked out at Tottenham. Don't surprise or be surprised if he goes back there. And I know it's a lesser league, the Dutch league, I get that. But do not be surprised if he fires. So... Ajax may well sell, but it is going to be for top, top dollar. You know, I meant to ask you earlier on when we were talking about Newcastle, forgive me for for flitting backwards there. The Turam kid they've, they've been linked with, that is Lillian Turam's son, isn't it? I think I'm right in saying that. I must admit, I thought that the other day. Then I was like, oh, that's the thing. But there's another, there's a lot of Turams, it seems, in world football. So Marcus Turam ah. is a footballer, I think, for Munchen Gladbach now. He sort of made the move. But I generally, I can't even pronounce his first name, but he's actually, it's a separate, could be related for all I know, I'm not going to lie. But midfielder Renz, very physical, though. Interestingly, six foot four, but one of the five quickest players in Ligue 1 last season. So not usually put together, are they, when you're that size? So. No, All no, that's a new attributes there, but yeah, it's unusual, isn't it? Well, you know, like we said, we'll be keeping a close eye on Newcastle and all their incomings as we go on over the course of the summer. And what we've been trying to do each week here is to focus on a club or clubs. Last week, you and I looked at the uh, promoted clubs uh, and what business they might do, and we had a chat. Uh, about in each case whether we thought they might have uh, a chance of staying up. We can kind of tweak that format a little bit now by having a look at Aston Villa this week uh, in a bit of focus and looking at their transfer business, but not just that, perhaps where we think they are overall and we can skew it back to Steven Gerrard. I'm prepping for a podcast immediately after this one with uh Dave and Harry, where we're going to have a look back at the 2001 
uh, UEFA Cup final for a Raw Retro, and of oh. course Steve. Stevie Jarrett's front and centre there, and I, I I did a bit of reminiscence about the whole season and, and and looking at what he was back then, and we all know what he went on to be and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Of course, he was front and centre, wasn't he, Dave? As the season was drawing to a close, uh, there was a lovely little narrative that was there to be written. And alas, his players could not do that for him <laughs> uh, yeah. on the day. Um, I, I before we start talking about Aston Villa in terms of transfer-related stuff. What do you make of Stevie Gerrard's uh, sort of evolution into a football manager? And do, do you do you ever envisage a situation where, you know, an awful lot of the romantics would love to see him uh, back in Anfield, if not as Klopp's successor, then sometime down the line? Like, I have to say, uh, just cards on the table, I, I don't see how we could possibly employ someone for emotional reasons. Uh, and therefore, unless he's winning trophies, and it's going to be hard to do that with Aston Villa, I, I, I can't, I can't, I couldn't stand over that move. It would be sentimentality entirely, in my in my opinion, unless there was a proven track record of success, which is what you have to go by. You look at what Klopp did, you look at what Rafa Benitez did. These are two men who won against the odds in difficult leagues. So the idea of appointing pointing Stephen Gerrard down the line is, is a weird one for me. What do you think of how he's doing as a manager? And do you see him getting to that point where he could actually be a good fit for us eventually? He really is an interesting one to watch from a managerial perspective, Stevie. He obviously got in at Rangers and for SPL level, he's been backed, so to speak. You know, he's been given money to spend. He's really reshaped that. His target there was to stop turning a row for Celtic. That, you know, let's be honest, that was his target. And he did that comprehensively. So he ticks a box there in success. You know, it took a few years, but, you know, they stormed the way to that league title and stopped turning a row. So that's the positive. Maybe, in essence, not being disrespectful to Rangers fans, but what else can you really achieve in Scotland, so to speak? I know he's also done very well in Europe, hasn't he, for getting them through to the, the later rounds as well. So there's a few ticks in the box there. Does the right thing, in my opinion, comes to a good club, Aston Villa, as in it's still a big name, whatever anyone says. They were struggling at the time. You know, Dean Smith had it going the wrong way. So he had a clear task initially, turn that around, which he did comprehensively. The issue he's got, and this is the real issue again, is he is being backed again at Villa, which we'll, you know, we'll come on to. He's getting in players. He's asking the board for them. And maybe it's the fact that there's a our old chief exec there, Christian, doing the business for him. But he's getting backed. Now he's got to prove he can take it to the next level. They they were the ultimate sort of mid-table finish team, I think, last season, weren't they? Now he's got to go on again, especially being backed, and prove he can at least, at least push them close to Europa level to go up another notch. However, even the teams that, you know, are maybe in that Europa spots just outside of the the top four, you know, you can have United, Arsenal pushing again, if you look at what it is. So he has got a massive, massive ask ahead of him. So that's where he is so far. I'm not going to lie, Trev, I don't want him to get the job. And I'm going to be so, so honest about that for simple reasons. He is one of my heroes. He's one of my absolute heroes. He's a legend. You know, no one's going to debate that. There's so much risk to this. You look at it as in, remember when Spurs appointed Hoddle and that went disastrously? You know, they had fan, Tottenham fans booing for Glenn, you know, at Glenn Hoddle wanting him out. 
I've just got such a fear if it doesn't go well, what happens? You know, even if you say, oh, we wouldn't boo him. Yeah, I get that. But in your heart, you might be thinking, this isn't the right man for the job. You know, that would just be horrible. At the same time, the level, as you said, the level we are on now, Klopp has taken us into that absolute elite level. So when he goes, we want an elite manager, don't we? Simple as that. It's got to be the yeah. right makeup, the right person. Don't get me wrong, but we want an elite manager. Is Steven Gerrard right now an elite manager? No chance. There's no nothing on his CV that backs that up for the level we'd want. Could it happen in time? Absolutely, it is possible, but there's a big caveat on that. He's going to have to jump a lot of levels, you know, win trophies, and he's not going to get that really at Aston Villa. That's not trying to be disrespectful. That's just being honest. But the simple regard is we, we appointed emotionally last time when Hodgson went, Kenny came back. It was, you know, a steady the ship. It was a good appointment in the time, but there was a, la- a large emotional attachment. And let's be honest, by the end of that next season, when we finished eighth, I think it was, it was a horrible feeling because you're like, this guy is the club, an absolute legend of the club, but you think we need another manager. So you don't want to be publicly calling out against someone like Kenny. And it felt horrible when it happened, even though it was the right thing. I've just got that fear. I just don't see it ending well. So my, I know it sounds horrible to say, my honest answer, in short, I wouldn't want him to get the job, just being honest. It's funny, I, I thought exactly of the Kenny situation because you're talking about my idol there. And when he came back, it was so, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, mm. But I, I, I wanted him to go uh, in the summer after he came back to sort of steady the ship. I wanted him to go. I didn't want him to stay on because I feared what eventually happened would happen uh, and yeah. that you know it, it, it just it showed it, it was just a lad who was it was from a different football era and, and, and the game is absolutely savage it moves on and people get left behind yeah. we've seen it happen, happen with the likes of Jose Mourinho and you just get left behind and I would hate that to happen uh, again on another uh, for another uh, beloved player like like Stevie Enough about us, although we will be coming back to a, li- a couple of Liverpool links. In terms of their transfer activity, Dave, uh, they wanted, uh, pretty much needed a defensive midfielder. Yeah. Any, any news on that front? Yeah, that they pretty much, they, they knew what they needed. They'd been sort of touting around the market. And Kamara, the young lad from Marseille, has come in, hasn't he? So they've got that one in the bag on a freebie. It depends who you believe with those types of frees, because if you take it at face value and just read certain articles, then they've beaten Atletico, they've beaten all these big clubs to him. But I think it was quite telling, and this sounds almost bad to say, again, I've been mean to everyone today, but the fact he's ended up at Villa when he's been on a free maybe tells it its own little story there. So on the surface, it can look good, but I'm not going to lie, I'm a bit unsure about that one, Trev, to be honest. You know, when we were looking at the uh, potential for Villa being able to do us a favour on the last day, uh, we were all focusing on the attacking players, but we were also yeah. cr- cringing when we were thinking about their defensive setup and saying that they are, like a, like a previous iterations of Liverpool, a bit of a shit show back there, especially in the middle. They need a centre-half there for sure. Yeah. Uh, we've heard, haven't we, uh, rumours about Joe Gomez potentially there. Yeah. Anyone anyone else on the on the list? 
I think it's interesting because everyone could see they uh, needed a centre half. I mean, I, I actually like Konza. I think he's got a lot of ability, but Tyrone Mings is one of the most overrated players in the Premier League by some distance, and they clearly wanted a centre half. And yeah, from from what we understand, again, not trying to play ITK, they went hard for Joe Gomez. They, you know, they told Liverpool that if you're prepared to sell him, we are right amongst that mix. We'll be front of the queue. Stevie G had a chat to him as well. So it was quite clear they wanted him. All the indications are that Gomez is going to sign a new deal with us. So they've moved on quite quickly to, let's say, an interesting player. Diego Carlos, Brazilian centre-back, that has been linked with a number of clubs, even us at one point when we are in our, our crisis. But Villa have pulled the trigger there for a, a big fee, just below £30 million. <laughs> To me, this sounds terrible. He's the Brazilian Tyrone Mings. He's reckless. <laughs> he's literally, he's reckless. He's got little composure. It's one of those, again, where he's got all the attributes. You know, he's big, he's physical, he looks good. But the composure and, as you know, centre-halves get better with age, don't they? So they get more experienced, read the game. I mean, this guy's 29 already. It's not really happened for him. So I kind of get the impression, if you ask me honestly, they are replacing one car crash with another. But... They're the two players he's backed, and we'll see how it goes, I suppose. You know, you mentioned earlier on, um, speaking of offers being rebuffed for Joe, uh, we mentioned that Curtis was in that yeah. bracket as well here with, with, with Aston Villa. And, you know, it is, a, it is a tried and trusted sort of thing that uh, managers, uh, especially younger managers who, who've played, uh, tend to go to their old clubs and uh, yeah. see what they can do, uh, uh, tap up as much as they can. Uh, Curtis obviously would be interesting, very interesting for Stevie G there as well. But again, from what we're hearing, and as you said quite clearly later on, that the world is that like with Joe, we're not that interested in selling. Uh, with that in mind, and the fact that he may find himself frustrated in the moves for the people that he really, really wants, and just to wrap up the show today, in terms of how you think they're going to move on, you, 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 you talked about how it was a quintessential middle of the table sort of season for them. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll start. I don't see that changing much. Uh, I, I see they could maybe start the year well, like you often see with clubs. But when the chips fall at the end of the season, I don't see them being too much further up the table than than the ninth or tenth. What, what's what's your what's your feeling for how how Villa may uh, evolve or not uh, this year under under Steve Jarrett? I actually think exactly the same. I mean, with the fact that, as Neil Jones said in that goal article, they were going for Curtis, I was like, how does that work? Because they've already got Jacob Ramsey, who's some talent anyway in that attacking midfield type of position. Chuck Wemmicka, you know, they should be trying to retain him rather than looking at moving him on as well. It's, I just didn't get it. And I look at Aston Villa now, and it's a completely different type of pressure. And I don't think they'll sort of thrive on the challenge. Last season became sort of staying up. But this season, Stevie's had money to spend. He's being backed. In fact, one of the links that's come out today seems to be quite strong. A player that we got randomly linked with this summer and last. Octavia, the Porto winger, Porto right-sider midfielder, depending on how you describe him. He's said to be interesting them now as well. So another link there. I, I just don't see it, Trev. There's, there's going to be real expectation at Villa 
from the fans. And I understand that. If you spend big money on a centre-half, you know, you build it up as we listen, we've managed to secure this Kamara after loads of interest. It's natural that fans are going to expect to leap, aren't they, and really coming up the table. But when you look at what's above them, there's far better teams still. And they're still inconsistent. So, I don't know. It's like, is it that much of an achievement for maybe move to, what, 10th to 8th? I don't really see it that way. I think he's got some job on, but I can see a few murmurings against Stevie, so to speak, when it's a, a mid-table finish. That would be my prediction. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of where, that's where I've landed with it as I think about it as well. Perhaps he could maybe win a cup or something and then get a lateral move for himself somewhere else. I don't know, but yeah. it's going to be a long, long path to uh, Anfield for him if, if, if he's going to stay there with that particular setup at this particular time. Dave, we'll wrap it up. We've gone all around the houses there and I want to thank yeah. you very, very much because I, I understand I, I'm firing things at you there left, right and centre and, and it's uh, a, a tribute to you that you're able to kind of uh, come back so quickly with all the stuff. So for another uh, eventful and educational show, thanks very much, man. No worries. Pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.